Welcome back to 97X Rumblings from the Big Bush. I'm Dave with your host Damien, also known as the BJ and the Bear of Modern Rock, and you can decide on your own who you think the bear should be. We jump back into part two of our conversation with Jeff Cool Runnings Roars, who worked four years as a part-timer at 97X, and he shares more of his experiences of his time at the station. I loved new music, and that's what that's what 97X stood for in my mind was exposing new groups, um, you know, local as well as international, you know, just widening horizons. And, you know, credit to, to Doug and Linda having the foresight to select that um, that format back in, you know, what was it, 83, 84? Um, I was there during the whole uh, ride of uh, Rain Man, right? That happens the second year that I'm there. Um, and I can tell you at Miami, every, every student worth knowing listened to 97X. It was, it was just the place to go. And, and I, I worked some weird shifts, right? I did the God Squad. I did the dance show for several, <laughs> several months or years. I can't even remember. I remember we were the first to play Delight before everybody played that. That was, that was the other thing is that there were some songs that we played that went very, very, very mainstream but we played them months, if not a year beforehand. Um, so Delight was one I remembered. Uh, Edie Brickell and New Bohemians, we played for a year before that went just incredibly crazy on the top 40. Um, Dave, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but we had Prince albums yes. uh, mm -hmm. that we would play. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge Prince fan. Um, and I just, you know, some of that eclectic willingness to accept yeah, this is kind of mainstream, but we were the ones to discover it. And by we, I really do mean the great program directors we had. I listened to your your um, your interview with Phil and with Jetson, and um, they listened to the albums. That and that was the difference. They weren't just playing what was getting pushed on them by the record reps. They were going deep, and that's how you end up with you know. I never saw my hometown till I went around the world by the Icicle Works. Um, that doesn't happen anywhere else. Now, you, you started with Jetson, who, by the way, did uh, have the guts to put a video out to be on MTV and got turned down. Uh, oh, I didn't so know he, that. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Um, he tried to do that. Um, and then I can tell you about the Prince because Carrie Gray, who hired me, was a huge Prince fan. And that was Love he, Sexy, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and then I believe when Phil came on board running the ship, is when we got rid of the Prince, but we were all over Prince when Carrie Gray was there. I, I do remember that. That was a good call. I forgot. Well, about that. I want to say that when I started, JJ was the the program director. Not that I had much really to do with him. I mean, when I got hired, it was it was Mr. K who called me, I think, mm -hmm. and I trained on the big board with Mr. K, and that and literally on a on a Tuesday they call me. I want to say on a Wednesday or Thursday I go in to get trained on the board. And Friday at midnight, I'm taking over the live midnight to six. And so, you know, that was just a really interesting era with Mr. K and, and Julie Maxwell had arrived. And uh, I have a picture. I was trying to find it. I have a picture of uh, my, you know, uh, practically pubescent self uh, sandwiched between Mojo Nixon and Skid Roper when they visited yeah. the party patio. That's another thing. Yeah. Like people thought the party patio was like a thing. And like always wanted to know about the party patio. Well, my party patio story is I'm working an overnight and I swear to God, it's like 
three thirty in the morning, and I turn and there's a dude in the window of the party patio, knocking, and I about dropped Brown. So now I calm myself. I go over. I open the door. I I could be wrong in this, but. It, it was one of the local Cincy bands that went on big. I want to say it was one of the Afghan wigs dropping off their new album. And this person was, uh, let's say, judgmentally impaired uh, okay. in doing this and, and had no idea they terrified the hell out of me. Uh, but, you know, people would do that. Jocks would do that, like who were out, you know, partying a little too late on the weekend. They just kind of stopped by and the party patio was the door of access. Mm -hmm. uh, they at least knew to wait until, you know, you were in a break or playing a commercial or something. Uh, but yeah, they, man, just fabulous memories and, and, and such an amazing place, um, it, it made by the people, uh, that were there, but also the fact that it was connected to a community, not just a community that was Oxford, Cincinnati, Dayton, but also a community of music lovers that, that just was the bond that everybody shared. Yeah, well, the, the way you got there, but it's like I drove into town, I spun a dial, and I heard a song I love that nobody else is playing. Like, that's that's how everybody else got to be a 97X listener. Of course, not everybody went home and played polka music overnight <laughs> just to get cassettes to try and get on that station. So that yeah. shows your level of dedication. Well, I, I will say I am one of the proud 97X alumni who also worked at Evie's. So one summer I was a, I, I was working like four jobs to stay in Oxford. And one of them was I bagged groceries for a couple of months at Evie's, the rock and roll grocer. Nice. And uh, anytime I hear, you know, the Ramones, I'm always I'm always deadpanning the word grocer in that yeah. song. Grocer. <laughs> That's the best. The greatest uh -huh. radio commercial of all time. Uh -huh. And I know that we, we definitely get the Ramones or publicists and everyone to sign off on the use of the song for Oh, absolutely. As a as a copyright attorney or former yeah. recovering one, I can tell you everything yeah. we did there was above board and legal. Oh that's no question <laughs> about it. No question about it. I remember getting a, a phone call from Carlton of the RC Mob when uh, he heard the commercial, I'm Frank Evie, get on the bus and come to Evie's and then get on the buses in the background where I'm reading uh, you know, a pound of bananas, 29 cents this week at Evie's. And it's get on the bus. He goes, I guess to answer the phone. He goes, is that a row? Our get on the bus was just on a radio commercial. <laughs> they should have been. They should have been ecstatic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember right. scurrying to Chris Adrian, and you know that one was taken off the cart. <laughs> yeah, the the RC Mob was an interesting one, right? They they that that song broke pretty well. They had a couple of others, but uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers beat them to that that mm -hmm. genre in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but yeah, that what a great local band. Another you know great example, um, and and it, just the mix of of live music too. Mm -hmm. You know that. Uh, in talking with my son and, you know, we live in, in, and this is being recorded in the COVID era, what a different time it is. Right. You know, I, I would be out. I was, I, I don't know how I did it. Cause I would go out dancing at attractions where 97 X would spin the hits. And sometimes I was the DJ or have you had Johnny Stubblefield on? Do, do you, do you know where he is or is I've not had him on. I know who he is, but so yeah. all I remember is, he he went from like part timer to like a bigger role and then like flamed out fabulously and I don't know how or why. That's all my memory is. I don't know if any of that's true. But 
I do remember that he and I would DJ sometimes down there. And yeah, it was like, you know, go to classes, get home, eat a meal, go to dance on a Friday at attractions, shower, jump on a bike because I couldn't have a car. And I'd bike my way out to College Corner Pike, rain or shine or snow for my midnight to six or whatever crazy shift I'm working. And uh, and then I'd come home and I'd, I'd sleep it off. And I, I actually, I ended up with the nickname Sloth or it, the nickname on my broomball team was DJ Sloth because I had this friend who would always come in on Sundays and I'd be sleeping and, and she thought I was a sloth. And I'm like, I'm not a sloth. I just worked six hours <laughs> overnight, <laughs> but it stuck. So DJ Sloth it was or Sloth. I, I like it. Now, you, you mentioned, Jeff, that because you were on weekends, you know, you see the person before you, the person after, but you didn't have as much interaction with the staff. Other than that one time that Doug reamed you out for going off playlist, like how did you get to know Doug and Linda and talk about, because you mentioned their philosophy and the way they ran yeah. a station? Well, you know, it's interesting. You'd, you'd, you'd come in to pick up a paycheck or... Um, you get invited to some meetings. I wasn't a part of like the weekly meetings, um, but Phil especially was really good about air checks. So he would schedule air checks. I'd come in for those. So I'd see people then. But in listening to some of your your episodes, I realized, wow, I really missed out on the full timer experience here. Mine was a very different kind of limited window because I was also going to school. Um, but there was, I think that summer I worked at Evie's, I think I also did some fill-in work. Uh, Dave, it might have been for you. I think I might have done some drive time stuff. Yes, you did fill in for me a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah for a week. And um, and that was always just a, a great experience. Um, I think if I were to do it over again, I would, as you say, Dave, want to go more to the College of, of Daylog University mm -hmm. and learn a little bit more about the business side of things. Um, I was in that era right before the Internet took off, but I was starting to take interactive courses in, you know, the, at the end of my career at Miami University very early on, obviously had the music video show that had a lot of relevance to 97X. So there were a lot of business applications there that I think, you know, if, if I had been in that jet stream a little bit more, might have gone a different direction. But I look back so fondly on my experience there, and I can tell you of all the things on my uh, LinkedIn, uh, 97X gets brought up probably the most and then being a recovering attorney gets brought up you know second most um everybody a loves the the um the radio background uh but it, it just you know folks of our era just you can you can lose several hours just talking about your favorite bands and where they've gone and what they've done and all that kind of stuff so uh yeah yeah it was it was a uh, limited exposure but everybody was so cool and so nice and you know, um, always willing to help you, teach you, what have you, and, and invite you along to things. So Lollapalooza 1 and 2, mm -hmm. you know, all those kind of great concerts I'd, I'd see the, the, the gang at. You know, um, when, I, when I look at all the tenures, you know, throughout the history of 97X up to the dot, dot com with, with Mike Taylor and, and Shiv and, and everyone else that was involved in that, um, to the beginnings, you actually started a couple of years before I did there, and then Damien came on at the end of your your yep. era. But I would equate when you started at 97X to it being the Wild West, and you kind of saw it go from lawlessness to adding a little bit of law to it, but not it still had enough of you know 
the saloon that you can still whip out your pistol and do a six shooter yeah. you know out, out out front in the in the dirt but but you saw it go from you know just whatever to oh this could be a profitable enterprise that uh, can do well yeah well i remember you know when i started the stickers were on the albums and you had to mm -hmm. write down the date and, and, and time that you played them uh, I also remember that when I started, you would still have situations where, you know, Mr. K would sign off with one song and then is it Robin would come on and play basically the same song. <laughs> that that would still kind of happen. And then I think uh, I think Phil was more Johnny Law. Uh -huh. Like he, he implemented more process and stuff, which was which was good. I, I, I quite liked the I think he and Carrie actually conspired together on the ultra and, you mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, what are your, 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 your core sounds? And then, Hey, we're going to sprinkle in some of this. Um, so that, that was really interesting. After I left, I, I would come back and visit because my brother actually went to Miami in the late nineties. And so I got to come back and, and see the team. Mike Taylor, I believe started as a part-timer when I yep. was there. Mm -hmm. And then he boomeranged back as the program director later. Yep. Um, so, I became aware, let's see, I was president of uh, this agency called Optium up in uh, Cleveland when uh, when the terrestrial signal shut down. And I stayed late that night to listen to it. And it was really emotional for me, mm -hmm. like just hearing that. And, and I was listening to it online, I believe. And that was really unreal. And then uh, I got to know Brian J. just a little bit from that experience. And then when they moved it online, I immediately followed it and, and was sharing that with friends. Um, but I, I just learned from listening to your interview with Mike Taylor that I actually was at one of the last live performances on one of the last days of, of WXY's existence. I was at South by Southwest, and Mike invited me to watch Frightened Rabbit in the studio. That's cool. And I watched that live performance, and Mike was so gracious and so nice, and I was so excited that, hey, this might, this might lend a way for them to find a path in this virtual world. Uh, and then I, I came back home and quickly discovered that, you know, it had been shut down because the funding had, had run out. I had always dreamed, and I had told Doug this, I think, I had always dreamed that I would buy 97X. Like, I, I, I just failed miserably, guys. I didn't, I didn't bet on the right dot-coms. I, I didn't invest in Bitcoin when it was a buck. You know, I, I, I failed you on that. Just as you failed me on, on the law school mm -hmm. thing, I failed you. We're going to bring that up. Well, well okay. I'm glad you did yourself. If you think about today, though, and, and you think about the loss of community around that, right? Social media only replaces so much of it. Uh, I was thinking about it prior to get, jumping on the horn. Just, boy, to have a 97X during COVID would have been really interesting, where people mm -hmm. are listening and they're part of a community, even though they're separate, and they can call in and they can experience things. Uh, that's not to say that what was past was better. It was different. And we don't have necessarily something that that solves for that. And so I'll be intrigued to see if we do find something that kind of solves for it. Um, I know, you know, talking with my son about, you know, he's, he's 21, he's in college virtually, uh, about how I would go out dancing with my friends every weekend. And, and he and his, his friend were just saying, yeah, we don't do that. We'd love to do that. Like, that's just not what we do. Yeah. So it, it's bringing some of that back, I think, and, and getting people to socialize and and uh, do so in healthy ways as opposed to trolling ways uh, would be great. Well, if if Dave and I can um, start a new attractions, you can come down and DJ at our place. I would do it in a second, and I'd wear my black turtleneck and my vest and my beaded necklace. <laughs> 
and I would uh, I would do my you know crazy white guy swaying arms to Smith songs. Uh, it's amazing more people weren't injured by swaying arms <laughs> in the late '80s, early '90s of '97X because there was a lot of swaying arms. Uh, you we should have made you. Uh, told you you should become a swaying arms attorney. You could have made a lot I, of money for all those injuries. I, I could have cleaned up. Yeah, yeah that would have been great. I mean, gosh, at, at Bogart shows alone, uh, I could I could go on for days. I love these stories. These are great, and that's you know the beauty of the part timer gig. You got zero money, but you got free tickets to shows. Ooh, you are. I got free tickets to shows. I got CDs. I got. I, I'm a proud owner of a Sinead O'Connor switchblade, um, <laughs> you know, that opens packages like nobody's business. I know. What were we giving that away for? That's a lawsuit there. I, I, I still own some very yellowed cracking uh, uh, keychains. Uh, I've got T-shirts still around. Um, yeah, I mean, it was all about the benefits. It certainly wasn't about the Benjamins. <laughs> all right, Jeff. It has been great catching up with you. I tell you what, you were a part-timer at 97X, but you are full-time with the musical knowledge and the stories, and we love hearing them. Well, thank you, gentlemen, and thank you for doing this. It is very, very fun to go down memory lane and have been a part uh, of something that mattered to a whole lot of folks. So appreciate what you're doing and look forward to continuing to listen as you uh, get more folks uh, out of the woodwork to share their stories. 14 and counting, so, you know, you never know. That next listener is just around the corner. <laughs> Hi, this is Frank, the Rock and Roll Grocer. To help you keep rocking, Evie's has opened a new store. Stop in and check out the everyday low prices at the newest Evie's in the Hamilton Crossing on Route 4. Grocer. 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 Hey, Westchester, Ross, New Miami, Oxford, Fairfield, Hamilton. Stop EVs for everyday low prices. Ninety-seven X. We now return to Vetter Call Saul. Hey Saul, got into a little trouble and I'm gonna need a lawyer. Here. Okay, so tell me exactly what happened. I was driving, had a bit to drink, and then I ran into a milk truck. You hear? Rumblings from the big bush.